The Carolina Panthers are going to be at home taking on the Chicago Bears. Now, the Carolina Panthers are heading into this game with a three-game win streak. They just recently defeated the Atlanta Falcons last week, 23-16, which ended up making Atlanta fire Dan Quinn. And for the Chicago Bears, you just defeated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 2019 on Thursday Night Football. Now, both of these two teams are evenly matched in this game. If you were to go on the street and ask a random bystander or a random NFL fan who he thinks is the better team, the Chicago Bears or the Carolina Panthers, he most likely will tell you he doesn't know. Now, of course, you Panthers fans and you Bears fans are going to go down the comment section. You're going to say, oh, we're the better team, okay? Obviously, you guys are going to say that because if you're a fan of your team, of course, you're going to say that your team is better than the other team's team. So, I mean, that's just common sense. But, I mean, if you are a random bystander on the street and somebody approaches you and says, hey, who do you think wins this game? The Panthers or the Chicago Bears? You pretty much would say you don't really know. They're really evenly matched. And this is reflected in the spread in this game because Carolina's only favorite to win this game by one point and a half. So Vegas, I think that Vegas agrees with me as well because, I mean, the Carolina Panthers are only a point and a half favorite. So, I mean, when you have two teams that are evenly matched, right, it's easy to assess what both these teams' strengths are. I mean, Chicago is pretty weak on offense. Even with the quarterback change, their offense still hasn't really been all that impressive. But their defense is a big reason why they are winning games. Now, the Carolina Panthers, on the other hand, your defense has played fairly well over the last three games. But your offense has also played incredibly well so far this season. Now, for Carolina's defense... You're going to be without Kawan Short, who is out for the rest of the season with a shoulder injury. And we don't know if Gross Matus and Brian Burns are going to suit up and play in this game because they are both listed as questionable. Okay? So for me, the matchup that I'm going to be watching, that a lot of people who are going to be previewing this game aren't going to be talking about, it's going to be defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears, Chuck Pagano against offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, Joe Brady. And the reason why this matchup is going to be so pivotal is because this Carolina Panthers offense has been really efficient. It's been really methodical. They move the ball down the field well. And for this Chicago Bears defense, it has been one of the best defenses in the NFL. Chuck Pagano has called a pretty good defense so far. So, I mean, I want to see which one of these coordinators is going to win this matchup in this head-to-head battle because a lot of people... When you have equally matched teams, it comes down to coaching and it comes down to the coordinators. It comes down to the guys who you have in your staff. It's going to come down to your offensive coordinators, your defensive coordinators. So, I mean, the matchup to watch isn't really going to be the players that's on the field. It's going to be these two coordinators, Chuck Pagano versus Joe Brady. Which coordinator is going to be able to come up with the best game plan to get their team to victory? Now, for the Carolina Panthers, I mean, this offense matches up um, equally with the Chicago Bears defense because everything that Carolina is good at, the Chicago Bears defense is good at stopping. Like, for example, the Carolina Panthers are fifth in the NFL in yards per play. The Chicago Bears happen to be ninth in the NFL in yards per play allowed with 5.2. So, I mean, like I said, what 
Carolina's offense does well, the Chicago Bears defense does well at stopping it. So, I mean, it is going to be a chess match between these two coordinators. Remember, the NFL is more than just guys going around knocking each other out and things like that, but in heads with helmets and pads on, this is also a mental game as well. You get what I'm saying? So, I mean, coaching is going to be a big factor in determining who wins this game. And to be quite frankly with you, I'm not really expecting a high-scoring affair in this game. I think the first team that can hit 20 points will most likely end up winning this game because, I mean, I think we could really see a defensive battle in this game, maybe some way, somehow, because of how equally matched this Carolina Panthers offense is against the Chicago Bears defense. But, I mean, y'all just got to look at it like this. Chicago's offense hasn't really been great and the Carolina Panthers defense, although they have performed fairly well over the last three games, uh, we don't really know how they're going to perform with potentially missing two of their best players not playing with Brian Burns and Gross Matu. So, I mean, this is going to be a really intriguing matchup. Now, for the Chicago Bears, can you convert on third down? And can the Carolina Panthers get you off the field on third down? Because the Chicago Bears are 29th in the NFL and third down converts percentage. They're only converting on third down 33% of the time. That's one of the worst in the NFL. But you happen to be going against one of the worst third down defenses in the NFL and the Carolina Panthers who are 29th in the NFL and third down um, conversions allowed their line teams to convert a good amount of time, which is 29th in the NFL. So, I mean, can the Carolina Panthers get off the field on third down to get the ball back to the offense? Or can the Chicago Bears be able to convert on third down and keep drives alive? So, I mean, you have a Carolina Panthers defense that happens to be one of the worst in the NFL and getting off the field on third down. You have a Chicago Bears offense that happens to be one of the worst offenses in the NFL and being able to keep the drive alive on third down. So, who is going to win that matchup? Now, I'm not done with third down. I mean, this Carolina Panthers offense, their third down offense is going to be going against the Chicago Bears third down defense, which these are two of the best at their respective uh, spots. Um, Carolina is six in the NFL on offense when it comes to converting on third down. They convert on third down 49% of the time offensively. But this Chicago Bears defense, they have the second best third down defense in the NFL. Teams only convert on third down on Chicago Bears 33% of the time. The next question is going to be, who will be able to score in the red zone? Because neither one of these teams' offenses are really all that great in scoring when they get inside of the 20. And I'm not talking about field goals. I'm talking about getting six points on the board, a touchdown. Um, Carolina's red zone offense is 27th in the NFL. Chicago's red zone offense is not far away from them. So, I mean, the Chicago Bears they do have the upper hand in this department because, I mean, even though their offense isn't great in the red zone, their defense happens to be the best red zone defense in the NFL. So how is Carolina going to be able to punch the ball in when they get inside the 20? And remind you, this is a methodical offense that Carolina runs. So, I mean, when you get inside the 20, you're facing a really good Chicago Bears defense. You're going to have to find a way to punch this thing in. And another thing for this Chicago Bears defense is going to be, can they take away the big plays that happens when these wide receivers get the ball in their hands because I think that the Carolina Panthers have the best or the second best wide receiver position when it comes to being able to get yak yardage. If you guys don't know what yak is, it's abbreviation for yards after catch. They have a lot of wide receivers on this team that can take a five-yard pass or a five-yard dump off from Teddy Bridgewater and take it to the house for a touchdown, such as Robbie Anderson, who happens to be top five in the NFL in receiving yards. You also have Curtis Samuel, who we don't 
don't know if he's going to play in this game. I think he was listed as questionable. You also have DJ Moore. So, I mean, you have a plethora of wide receivers for Carolina that can take a dump off or a five-yard slant or whatever and take it to the house. So if you're Chicago, you're so good in allow, not allowing teams to really have a lot of those big chunk plays because you're only allowing 5.2 yards per play, which happens to be one of the best in the NFL. So, I mean, this is going to be a really interesting matchup because, like I said earlier, these two teams, what the Carolina Panthers offense does great, Chicago is great at stopping on the defense side of the football. So, I mean, like I said, it's all going to come down to the coordinators. Which coordinator is going to have the better game plan to put their team in the spot to succeed? Because, listen, although the Chicago Bears are facing a lackluster defense with Carolina, I don't really think I trust Matt Nagy because I've been seeing a lot of Bears fans on Twitter, and you guys know who you are, who have been complaining about Matt Nagy's... um lackluster play calling so far so i mean listen this is going to be a really tough game to predict i'm still going to have to side with the chicago bears because i think that despite the fact that their offense isn't great their defense is going to be able to stop this carolina panthers offense and i think that with this defense being able to stop carolina's offense they're going to put this um chicago bears offense in good spots to succeed and the big part of who's going to win this game is going to be Who's going to be able to win this field position battle? So, I mean, this is a toss-up game. You can really flip a coin to the side. But I got to go with Chicago, man. I think their defense is going to be the reason why they win this game. And you got Carolina's defense, who although they have played better than what they started out the season playing, I mean, I still don't really have a lot of confidence in. So, I mean, although Chicago's offense isn't great, I think that they could take advantage of a Carolina Panthers young defense. So, I'm going to give Chicago the victory here. I think Chicago wins this game 22-17 is my final score prediction in this game. I'm going to take the Chicago Bears with the victory. The Indianapolis Colts are going to be a 7.5 point favorite at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, last week, it was tough sledding for Joe Burrow and the Bengals last week as they got crushed by the Baltimore Ravens 27-3. And when I say crush, I mean that literally. I mean, Joe Burrow got sacked seven times against Baltimore. And I watched every single Cincinnati Bengals game because I have Joe Burrow as my QB1 on fantasy football. And I mean... That pretty much has to be the worst performance Cincinnati has had offensively the whole entire season. I mean, what could have went wrong went all wrong, totally wrong against Baltimore last week, man. Because Joe Burrow was getting crushed. He had a couple of fumbles. I mean, the defense. I mean, everything just went wrong for Cincinnati. Now, for the Indianapolis Colts, you were defeated 32-23 to 23 by the Cleveland Browns. And the reason why the Colts lost that game was because Phillip Rivers. And I've been saying this ever since week one of the NFL season that if the Colts have to rely on Phillip Rivers to win the game for them and they don't have the run game going, their likelihood of winning isn't going to be all that great because I said, listen, as long as Indianapolis is running the football and keeping the ball out of Phillip Rivers' hands, they're going to be able to win a lot of games. But if you have to rely on Phillip Rivers to win the game for you and he has to throw the ball more than 30 times, I mean, your likelihood of winning goes down the drain because with Phillip Rivers, when you put the ball in his hands, 
and you ask him to win the game for you, he's going to turn the football over. And we saw that last week. He threw two interceptions. And the Indianapolis Colts only had 68 rushing yards as a team. So, I mean, the Colts were not able to run the football. Phil Rivers had to win the game for the Colts, and the Colts lost. So, the bright side is for the Indianapolis Colts, you're facing the Cincinnati Bengals defense that was allowing 159 rushing yards per game, which is 29th in the NFL. So, you shouldn't struggle running the football or shouldn't have that much trouble running the football against the Cincinnati Bengals like you did against Cleveland because Cincinnati just isn't really good against the run. Their linebackers aren't great, and their defensive line, although they do have talent on the defensive line, uh, DJ Reader's not going to be playing, so I mean, that is a big loss. He's one of the best run stoppers in the NFL. So, I mean, for the Indianapolis Colts, you should have a pretty good chance or a pretty good game when it comes to running the football. Now, for the Cincinnati Bengals, they're also 23rd in the NFL and takeaways as well. So, I mean, for the Colts, this is a favorable matchup for you offensively. And for Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, I mean, on the bright side is you're facing a Colts defense that, for the most part, has played fairly well. I'll give them credit. Now, I'm still not completely sold on the Indianapolis Colts defense because I feel like their stats are kind of boosted up by the opponents that they played. Like, they played against Chicago. Even though Chicago beat Tom Brady, it still wasn't... The Chicago Bears offense still isn't all that great. They played against the New York Jets. So, I mean, it's easy for your defense to look good when you're playing against those teams that have struggling offenses. But, I mean, we saw what happened when they were playing against a good offense and the Cleveland Browns. So, I mean, hey, if the Bengals are going to win this game, I mean, this is a favorable matchup. Now, Indianapolis secondary has been a lot better than what I expected it to be. Xavier Rhodes has kind of had like a bounce-back year of sorts and I mean for Joe Burrow I mean this is more of a favorable matchup this week against this Colts defense than it is going against the Baltimore Ravens because the Ravens just have a stacked defense all around the Colts have a pretty good defense but they don't have the same amount of talent that Baltimore possesses on the defense side of football not trying to offend Indianapolis Colts fans but that is the truth the Ravens have more talented players on defense than you I don't think nobody should get upset by that but I mean for Joe Burrow, I mean, it all comes down to the fact that is he going to have any time to throw the football? Because I know a lot of people talk about how Joe Burrow doesn't try to throw the football down the field all that often. And I mean, you can't really blame the guy because, I mean, the offensive line isn't even giving him that much time to throw the football. And the fact that Cincinnati couldn't run the football last week didn't help as well. So, I mean... For Cincinnati to win this game, I mean, the offensive line has to play well because you're facing a pretty good defensive line. Like, the Indianapolis Colts have some really talented guys on the defensive line in their own right. So, I mean, for Cincinnati, if you allow seven sacks again this week, your likelihood of winning isn't going to be all that high. and You're probably going to get smacked again like you did last week against Baltimore if that happens. So, I mean, for Joe Burrow, I mean, can my guy get some protection out there? Help my guy out. Like, can we please bench Barbie Hart? I'm not a Bengals fan, but I'm just begging. For Joe Burrow's sake, bench Barbie Hart. Barbie Hart should not be starting. He is the worst offensive tackle in the NFL. Like, a lot of Bengals fans keep coming at me saying we have no choice but to start Barbie Hart because he's all he he's all that we have. You're trying to tell me out of all the free agent offensive tackles available out there, you don't think any one of those guys could perform better than Barbie Hart? Like, Barbie Hart is single-handedly getting Joe Burrow killed back there. 
and not only him, but the entire Cincinnati Bengals offensive line, but he happens to just be the worst of the bunch. So, I mean, please, Cincinnati, do something good and try to save Joe Burrow. Like, can my guy at least get three seconds to throw the football? Because he's not even getting that. He didn't even get that against Baltimore. So, I mean, Cincinnati... I mean, they have a pretty good group of wide receivers. We don't know what's going on with A.J. Green because, once again, as expected, he's not healthy. So, I mean, Cincinnati has to be able to run the football. And, I mean, you have to be able to run the football because the run game is important because then the team just won't have to worry about just having the key in on trying to stop the pass. Okay, they'll have to play both the run and the pass. Like, what you did against Jacksonville. Jacksonville didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to stop the run, and they didn't know how to stop the pass neither. So, I mean, Cincinnati has to try to replicate that performance that they had against Jacksonville, which is going to be easier said than done because Indianapolis has a significantly better defense than Jacksonville. So, I mean, for Cincinnati, man, your chances of winning this game, I mean, I think you have a better chance of winning this game than you do against Baltimore. But I'm still siding with the Colts to win this game. I think the Colts should be able to win this game because the Colts are going to be able to run the football. Cincinnati's run defense is terrible. The 29th in the NFL in rushing yards per game allowed, allowing 159. And, I mean, I think this is a game that Jonathan Taylor and Indianapolis Colts probably could go for at least 150 or at least 200 rushing yards as a team in this game. And for the Bengals, man, I mean, I think that they're going to have a better showing offensively than they did last week. I don't think they're going to put up three points against the Colts. But I just think that the Colts are just a way better team than the Cincinnati Bengals. Will Cincinnati be able to pull off the upset? I mean, I think it's possible if they're able to stop the run. But, I mean, they haven't really been able to stop the run all this season. So, I mean, I got to take Indianapolis to get the victory here. I'm taking Indianapolis 24 17 is my final score prediction in this game. I'm taking the Colts. I'm hoping that Joe Burrow and Cincinnati can pull off the upset because I have Joe Burrow as my QB1. I don't really trust Justin Herbert, but it looks like I might have to start. Well, I can't even start Justin Herbert this week because I believe that the Chargers have a bye. So, I mean, I have Joe Burrow needs to have a good game. I'm rooting for the Bengals to win this game. I'm rooting for Joe Burrow to have a good performance because I'm trying to win my fantasy um, game this week because right now I'm 1-3-1. One, and one. So, I think it's really important for Cincinnati to get this win because if they win, they'll be two, three, and one. That'll be a good step in the right direction. And if they lose, I mean, it'll just be another loss. They'll be one, four, and one. So I think Cincinnati needs this from a confidence standpoint. And I mean, I think the Colts will win this game, but I do think this is a game that Cincinnati does have a pretty above average chance of pulling off the upset. The Cleveland Browns are traveling on the road to Heinz Field to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are going into this game as a three and a half point favorite. And for the Steelers, this is a really big game. Okay, and the reason why this is a big game for the Steelers is because you have a lot of people out there that are saying that the Steelers need to win this game to prove that they are a good team because a lot of people keep saying that the Pittsburgh Steelers have not played anybody. Okay, you played the Texans, you played the Giants, you played the Broncos, you played the Eagles. Apparently, people still are not sold on the Steelers. And here's what I have to say to those people who believe that the Steelers are not a good team. Okay, you don't have to beat all of the best teams in the NFL to prove that you are a good team. Okay, like, you can just look at a team, look at their roster, and tell that they are a good team. 
also with how good of a coach they have. Mike Tomlin is regarded as one of the best coaches in the NFL. On top of that, the Steelers have one of the more complete rosters top to bottom in the NFL. Aside from injuries, when they're fully healthy, this is one of the best rosters in the NFL, okay? So, I mean, you don't have to be some of the best teams in the NFL to consider yourself a legitimate team. Take a... Take the New England Patriots, for example. We're not talking about this season, but in the past when they had Tom Brady. For the past decade, the New England Patriots have played in a division with the New York Jets, the Miami Dolphins, and the Buffalo Bills before the Buffalo Bills got good. I'm talking about like a couple of years back before the Buffalo Bills weren't all that great. Okay, so despite the New England Patriots playing in a lackluster division, we knew that the Patriots were a good team because they had Bill Belichick and they had a really good roster. So, I mean, you don't have to play a stacked schedule to figure out if a team is good or not. Okay, look at the coach and look at the roster. The majority of the time, if a team has a lead coach, they're going to be a good team. Okay, so I mean, even if the Steelers win this game or lose this game, I still feel like this is a playoff caliber team. Now, you look at the Cleveland Browns, on the other hand, the Browns is a team that a lot of people are still trying to hop on the bandwagon, as you call it, because a lot of people still are not sold on the Cleveland Browns. Now, a lot of people aren't sold on the Cleveland Browns for a different reason. A lot of people aren't sold on the Cleveland Browns because they're the Browns. A lot of people seem to be having a hard time accepting the fact that the Cleveland Browns may actually be good this year. They're, they are off to their best start in a very long time okay i can't recall the last time the cleveland browns were four and one and it seems like a lot of people are having difficulty with the browns actually being a legitimate team like i was talking to one of my buddies yesterday he was like man i can't believe that the cleveland browns are really four and one jt do you think the cleveland browns are going to make it to the playoffs i said before the season began i believe that the browns were a playoff caliber team okay and they defeated the Indianapolis Colts last week, 32-23. to Now, the Colts are a pretty okay team. I think the Colts are a decent team. I think they could sneak into the playoffs. They could not. But, I mean, you got a really good victory, okay? Now, going into this game, the biggest question, if you are a Browns fan, that you have to ask yourself in your head is going to be, are you going to have success running the ball against this Pittsburgh Steelers defense? Because the Steelers have been one of the best teams in the NFL when it comes to stopping the run. Now, last week against Philadelphia in the game that they won 38-29, to Miles Sanders broke off like a big 74-yard touchdown, and after that, he didn't really see an ounce of daylight after. So, I mean, the Steelers' defensive line is one of the best defensive lines in the NFL when it comes to getting pressure on the quarterback and stopping the run. So if the Browns cannot run the football in this game, you're going to play right into the hands of the Pittsburgh Steelers because the Pittsburgh Steelers is one of the best pass rushing teams in the NFL. And when you drop back to throw the football against Pittsburgh, you're going to tee off TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, and Pittsburgh's going to have the opportunity to first turnovers when you look at Baker Mayfield. Now, Baker Mayfield has played solid this year but he is pretty inconsistent because he does turn the football over a good amount if you have to rely on him too much to win the game for you so if the Browns cannot run the football against the Pittsburgh Steelers in this game then Baker Mayfield is going to have to carry this Browns team on his back 
And if he has to throw the ball more than 30 times, 40 times against his Pittsburgh Steelers defense, I think that we could see a two-turnover game from Baker Mayfield. And when you give the Steelers defense turnovers, you're giving the ball back to this Pittsburgh Steelers offense that has been playing fairly well so far this year. So, I mean, will Baker Mayfield be able to take care of the football? Because he had two interceptions against the Colts. So, I mean, if you're a Browns fan, that has to be in your head. Now, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the matchup to watch in this game is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers' defensive line versus the offensive line of the Cleveland Browns. Now, the Cleveland Browns are fifth in the NFL in sacks allowed. They're only allowing 1.4 sacks per game, which is really good. That's top five in the NFL. And you can tell how improved this offensive line is compared to last year because the Cleveland Browns spent a lot of money in free agency and a lot of capital in the draft improving this offensive line. You drafted Dredrick Willis in this past year's NFL draft. You also pick up Jack Coughlin as well. So, I mean, this offensive line for Cleveland has played fairly well. And we're going to see how this offensive line does against this Pittsburgh Steelers defensive line. Now, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, this is the best offensive line you have faced up to this point of the season. The Steelers have went against Philadelphia. Their offensive line hasn't been good. You went against the Houston Texans. We don't need to talk about how bad their offensive line is. And the New York Giants and Denver Broncos, their offensive lines aren't really all that great neither. So, I mean, the Steelers are going to get tested in this game. Now, the Steelers are averaging five sacks per game, which is the most in the NFL. So, I mean, this Steelers defensive line, if they're not getting pressure on Baker Mayfield and they're not playing well, then the question has to be this Pittsburgh Steelers secondary. Now, Steven Nelson has been the best defensive back on this Steelers team so far this season. Okay, now, Mika Fitzpatrick has kind of, he hasn't played like he did last year. Okay, his play has kind of dropped compared to the level that he was playing at last year when he first got traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers from the Miami Dolphins. Then you got Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden has been pretty shaky also. So Steven Nelson has been the best defensive back on this Steelers team so far. And if you're a Steelers fan, you have to wonder how is this secondary going to perform against the Cleveland Browns? Because you already know that you have to defend against Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, which Odell Beckham is having a career resurgence this season. I mean, this looks like the Odell Beckham that I remember from his days playing with the New York Giants. So, I mean, Odell Beckham has been balling out for the Cleveland Browns so far this season. So, I mean, if you're the Steelers secondary, if you're not able to get a pass rush, if you're Mike Tomlin, how are these defensive backs in this secondary going to hold up against this passing attack of Cleveland? If the Browns aren't able to run the football and they do have to throw the football on this Pittsburgh Steelers defense, what if the Pittsburgh Steelers are not getting pressure on Baker Mayfield? Okay, so I mean, I'm looking and keeping my eyes on how this Pittsburgh Steelers secondary is going to perform. And for the Cleveland Browns on defense, I mean, you got a pretty good defensive line yourself. Now, your defensive line isn't as good as Pittsburgh, but it's pretty solid especially with Miles Garrett, who looks like he could be in the running for defensive player of the year once again this season. And for the Browns, you have to limit the big plays from the passing game in this Pittsburgh Steelers offense because Big Ben, I believe I believe that Big Ben is like second or number one in the NFL and like um, passing, passing completions for more than 20 yards or something like that. He also has the most... Um, 
longest touchdown passes and things like that. I don't know, some kind of crazy stat like that. So, I mean, if you're the Cleveland Browns, you need to make sure that you're able to keep everything in front of you because this is a big play offense. And a lot of people had questions about Big Ben's ability to throw the football downfield going into the season. And Big Ben has been proving the naysayers wrong because Chase Claypool has been the best wide receiver on the Steelers team so far this year. You also have to worry about Juice Smith-Schuster. Also, don't sleep on James Washington. And the Cleveland Browns are going to be without cornerback Greedy Williams, who is not expected to play in this game. So I want to see how this Browns secondary is going to match up against this Pittsburgh Steelers secondary. So overall... The team are going to take to win this game. I'm going with Pittsburgh to win this game, and I think that they cover the three and a half. And the reason why I think Pittsburgh wins this game is because I don't think Cleveland, well, Cleveland can come out here and run the football, but I don't know if Baker Mayfield is going to play a mistake-free game, okay? And even if Baker Mayfield isn't throwing the football all that much, you have a guy in Baker Mayfield who is pretty turnover prone. He turns the football over a pretty good bit. And you're facing a defense that is really stingy and really good at creating turnovers. So we have a quarterback that turns the football over a lot, going against a defense that is very good at creating turnovers themselves. That is a recipe for a game that could side in Pittsburgh's way if Pittsburgh is able to win the turnover battle, which I believe that Pittsburgh will be able to. So I think Pittsburgh... If they end up being plus two and the turnover margin, I think this game swings their way. And also, what if Cleveland can't have success running the football and they have to rely on Baker Mayfield to throw the ball on the Steelers' defense? Now, you like your chances if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, so it does come down to that because you have Odell Beckham and you do have Jarvis Landry and you do have Austin Hooper at tight end. But, I mean, you just can't really put a lot of confidence in Baker Mayfield. And I'm pretty sure a lot of you Browns fans may feel that same way. If you have to put the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands to win the game for you, I don't know how much confidence you would have in Baker Mayfield knowing the fact that he has had issues with turnovers this season and you're going against the Steelers' defense that's really good at forcing turnovers. Now, given the Steelers' secondary did kind of get carved up by Carson Wentz last week, I mean, albeit they, they're still pretty good forcing turnovers. So I think Pittsburgh gets this victory here. I think the Steelers win this game. 28-24 to 24 is my final score prediction in this game. The Detroit Lions are three-and-a-half-point favorites to win on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars coming off of a bye week. And for the Detroit Lions, if you are a Detroit Lions fan, this is a game that you feel you have a really good chance of winning. Because Jacksonville, right now, they're really banged up. They're going to be potentially without three of their best players on defense not playing in this game. Josh Allen, their best pass rusher. Mouse Jack, one of their best linebackers. And CJ Henderson, we don't really know if they're going to be able to play in this game. And Jacksonville secondary has struggled a lot over the last couple of weeks. And when you look at the Detroit Lions offense with Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Matthew Stafford, that quarterback, I think that if you are a Lions fan, you have to be pretty confident in the matchup of your offense going against the Jacksonville Jaguars defense that has struggled the do anything right. I mean, they can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. I mean, you saw what happened a couple of weeks when they went against Cincinnati, led by Joe Burrow. I mean, the Bengals were able to do whatever they wanted to do. Joe Mixon had a career day against Jacksonville Jaguars. He went off. Joe Burrow was 
playing very well. Then you saw what happened last week against the Houston Texans. I mean, the Houston Texans offense, which has been struggling for pretty much the whole entire NFL season, was finally able to get things to click last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the Jacksonville Jaguars defense hasn't been good. The secondary hasn't been good. The run defense hasn't been good. So I mean, for Detroit, you should be able to come in against Jacksonville on the road and be able to do some damage offensively. Now, my question with the Detroit Lions doesn't lie with how good is this Detroit Lions offense going to be against the Jacksonville Jaguars. My question is going to be, is this Detroit Lions defense going to show up? Because you're facing a Jacksonville Jaguars offense that it's no pushover, okay? Like, I know the Jacksonville Jaguars may not have a star-studded offense with a lot of superstars, but this is an offense that is capable of putting up 28 points if you do allow them to. And I think the big key for Detroit to win this game is stopping a half at James Robinson. James Robinson, to me, may be the best player on this Jacksonville Jaguars offense. Now, some people may agree with me. Some people may disagree with me. Some people may say DJ Chark. Some people may say LaVisca Chenault. But I think that James Robinson is the best player on this Jacksonville Jaguars team because in terms of what he's able to do, not only just running the football, but catching the ball out of the backfield as well. And if you're Detroit, you need to be able to take him away because Gardner Minshew loves to throw those little dump-off passes to him and easily pick up around three, four yards. So if you're Detroit, you need to take James Robinson out of the game. And this is a really big key because if you're a Jaguars fan, you should feel really confident about your matchup on offense as well because I know I was talking about how Lions fans should be really excited about how their offense should fare against this Jacksonville Jaguars defense. But if you're a Jaguar fan, you're saying, hey, Detroit is the one of the worst teams in the NFL when it comes to stopping the run. They are allowing 170 rushing yards per game. So if you're a Jaguar fan, you should be looking at this as, hey, man, like we got James Robinson. James Robinson has been one of the best rookies in the NFL. So if you're a Jaguar fan, you should be like, we can get this run game going. If we can get the run game going, then that will help out our defense because if we're able to run the football effectively, we can control the time of possession, keep their defense on the field, and keep our defense off the field because your defense has pretty much been your Achilles heel. So can Detroit stop the run? That remains to be seen. Now, you are coming off a of bye week. Maybe they can get some things figured out. I don't know. But, I mean, Detroit's linebacker unit has not really been great. And Detroit has really struggled to stop the run game this year. So, I mean, you could see James Robinson have a big day against this Detroit Lions defense. A Detroit Lions defense that, remind you, cannot stop the run to save their life. Now, can... Gardner Minshew come out here and have a really good game against the Detroit Lions secondary that is a little bit improved compared to where they were last year. Okay, so I mean, Gardner Minshew has played pretty well this season, but has he played well enough? Because my thing with Gardner Minshew is that I feel like he doesn't throw the ball downfield enough. Okay, and I don't know if that's because he doesn't have the arm strength to do so, but I mean, it seems like Gardner Minshew just checks the ball down a lot instead of trying to throw the ball downfield. So if you are the Detroit Lions, you have to be able to take advantage of that. You have to be able to take away those short, intermediate throws like what I said earlier. Taking away James Robinson, Gardner Minshew loves to check down to James Robinson. That is one of his number one 
options in the passing game when it comes that's his first thing i literally i swear to you it seems like the first thing Gardner Minshew does is he looks to see if james robinson is open so he can throw an easy check down pass and james robinson can pick up like four or five yards so if you're detroit you need to take away everything short force Gardner Minshew to beat you throwing the football deep because I don't really know if Gardner Minshew is going to be able to beat you throwing the football deep because I haven't really seen Gardner Minshew throw the ball downfield all that often. So if you're Detroit and you're Matt Patricia, which Matt Patricia is a defensive-minded coach, you have to be able to take advantage of that. Force Jacksonville to beat you throwing the football deep versus letting Gardner Minshew be methodical and take those three, four yard, you know, check down passes. Because with these Jacksonville Jaguars wide receivers, especially LaVisco Chanel, they can take a three or four yard pass and turn it into like a 15 yard gain. So if you're Detroit, force the Jacksonville Jaguars to throw the football downfield. And for Matt Patricia, I mean, this is a really big game for him because if the Detroit Lions lose this game, then, I mean, we may see the last of Matt Patricia. And, I mean, Detroit has a really favorable schedule coming up. I mean, you got to play teams like Houston, Minnesota. I mean, they have to play teams that haven't really been all that good this season. So, I mean, if you're Detroit, this is a must-win game. I'm going to take Detroit to get the victory here. They're favored by three and a half points. I don't know if they're covered that. I think this game may be a little bit closer than that. But I think Detroit should be able to get the victory. 31 to 30 is my final score prediction in this game. I think this is a game that's going to come down to the last possession. Whichever team has the ball last is who I feel will end up winning this game. And for the Detroit Lions, I mean... With Matthew Stafford the ball in his hands against this Jacksonville Jaguars secondary that hasn't really been good, has surrendered a lot of yards lately. I mean, I think that Detroit should win this game. Now, if Detroit loses this game, which they do have a good chance of doing because, you know, this is the Detroit Lions that we're talking about. I mean, I would not be surprised. But, I mean, Detroit, based on the injuries that Jacksonville has suffered on defense, they're going to they're probably going to be a fight, their best pass rusher in Josh Allen. We don't know if he's going to play. Miles Jack, we don't know if he's going to play. And C.J. Henderson. So, I mean, Detroit has a very winnable matchup here. And a lot of things are tilted in their advantage. The only thing that I really have a big question mark in terms of Detroit is going to be their ability to stop James Robinson and a run game for Jacksonville because they're allowing 170 rushing yards per game. So, I mean, I don't know, but I'm taking Detroit to win. 31-30 is my final score prediction. I'm taking the Lions. The Denver Broncos are going to be taking on the New England Patriots. Now, hopefully this game does not get pushed back any further because I'm really excited about watching these two teams play. Now, based on a couple of articles that I've been reading, Drew Locke is expected to play in this game along with tight end Noah Fant. Now, for the New England Patriots and a couple of articles I've read concerning if Cam Newton will play in this game, uh, a lot of people have a lot of confidence that Cam Newton will be able to play in this game. But nothing is really 100% set in stone. But a lot of people have a lot of faith and a lot of confidence that Cam Newton will be able to suit up and play in this game against Denver. So for the Denver Broncos, I mean, I have two big questions. The first one is going to be, can they stop this rushing attack of New England? Because when Cam Newton's in that quarterback, I mean, this is one of the best rushing attacks 
in the NFL. And before Cam Newton went down and wasn't able to play, I mean, the Patriots were a top five, top ten rushing attack in the NFL. And I mean, for Denver, you're pretty solid against the run. You're 13th in the NFL, and rushing yards per game allow a line 109 rushing yards per game, which is pretty good, top 15. So how is this Denver Broncos defense going to be able to stop this running game of Cam Newton and this good trio of halfbacks that the New England Patriots possess, especially when the Patriots get inside of the red zone? Because the Patriots have pretty much been unstoppable when they get inside the red zone with Cam Newton, with his ability to use his legs, throw the football. He can also hand the football off as well. So it's really hard to stop the New England Patriots when they get inside the red zone. So, I mean... How is Vic Vangio going to try the game plan to stop this New England Patriots run game? Now, the second thing that I'm going to be watching, which is why I'm so excited about watching this game, is going to be the matchup of Drew Locke versus this New England Patriots defense. And in particular, it's going to be how is Drew Locke going to handle what Bill Belichick is going to throw at him? Because we know Bill Belichick is one of the best defensive minds in the history of the NFL. And Bill Belichick loves to confuse young quarterbacks. So how is Pat Shermer going to put Drew Locke into situations to succeed when you know Bill Belichick is going to be throwing all kinds of exotic looks at you? So I want to see how is Drew Locke going to perform coming off an injury against this New England Patriots defense and what Bill Belichick is going to throw at him because Bill Belichick is going to throw a lot of things at Drew Locke because we know Bill Belichick loves to confuse these young quarterbacks. So, I mean, I'm really intrigued in seeing this matchup. A lot of people aren't really going to be talking about this matchup. Like, when a lot of people are breaking down this game, they're going to say, oh, is Cam Newton going to play? Oh, is Drew Locke going to play? Okay, which team's going to win? Blah, 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 because they're better. Like, no, a lot of people need to take a deeper dive into this game and look at the matchup, okay? Drew Locke versus Bill Belichick and Pat Shermer versus Bill Belichick because is Pat Shermer going to be able to put Drew Locke into situations to succeed against his Patriots defense, okay? Because this isn't really going to be all on Drew Locke. Like, Pat Shermer's going to have to help Drew Locke out when he's facing these all kinds of exotic looks and different looks and things like that because we know Bill Belichick's going to be throwing the hooks and crannies at Drew Locke. So I want to see how is he going to respond. Now, for the New England Patriots, how are you going to stop no offense? Because we know that the New England Patriots, what they do best is they take away your best player on offense. And for the Denver Broncos, their best player on the offense so far has been Noah Fant. So if you take away Noah Fant, Jerry Judy is most likely going to have to step up, okay? And Jerry Judy may have a tough half, may have a tough task ahead of him, excuse me, because he's going to be facing J.C. Jackson. And J.C. Jackson has been pretty good this year. And maybe Stephon Gilmore, if Stephon Gilmore is able to play in this game, so I want to see what's going to happen if the New England Patriots are able to take away North Fant because North Fant has pretty much been the primary target or the best target that the Denver Broncos have had in the passing game so far. Now, I know a lot of Denver Broncos fans may get triggered by that, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just saying that North Fant has been the best and the most reliable option 
in the passing game for Denver. So how is Jerry Judy going to fare in this game? Because he's facing a pretty good secondary with J.C. Jackson or Stephon Gilmore if he's able to play in this game. So, I mean, I want to see what he does in this game because he's going to have to have a really big game if the Denver Broncos are looking to pull off the victory. So, I mean, this is a really interesting game. I mean, I'm a fan of football. I love seeing what happens in the trenches, but I also love to see the battle between coordinates. I want to see Pat Shermer versus Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. Pat Shermer is one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL. I want to see that matchup. Who's going to get the advantage? Now, I know a lot of people are probably going to think that the Patriots are going to win this game. And I mean, I think that the Broncos have a better shot of winning this game than what a lot of people give them um props for because although the Denver Broncos have had a lot of injuries that they've had to deal with over the last couple of weeks I mean the majority of their games they've been pretty competitive aside from that Temple game I think that Denver has been pretty competitive in the majority of their games without their starting quarterback and without some of their key players so with the Denver Broncos now starting to get healthy you don't know how good this team can really be and you're looking at a New England Patriots team that what happens if Cam Newton somehow doesn't play in this game. Okay, if Cam Newton doesn't play in this game, you have to make the choice between Jared Stidham and Brown Hoyer. Okay, and we saw what happened last time those two guys took the field. I mean, it was a turnover fest. New England did not play like the way we're accustomed to seeing the New England Patriots play because against Kansas City, I mean, it was just a lot of penalties, a lot of turnovers. So, I mean, if Cam Newton does not play in this game, I think Denver has a really good shot at winning okay and i also gotta talk about what if cam newton really doesn't play in this game because i talked about earlier if cam newton did play in this game but cam newton doesn't play in this game this is going to be a game that is going to be a defensive battle if cam newton doesn't play because bill Belichick is going to have to rely on his defense to win the game for him because he's going to be facing a young quarterback hopefully he can bait drew lock into making some mistakes and getting the ball back to his offense and helping his offense out putting his offense in good field position because with brown hoyer he didn't really play great against kansas city he had a lot of um mistakes um, especially that second that he took before halftime that kept the New England Patriots from kicking the field goal. And also, Jared Stidham. I mean, Jared Stidham didn't look half bad, but I mean, still, he wasn't all that great neither. So, I mean, if you're the New England Patriots and you're a New England Patriots fan, you're crossing your fingers and praying to God that Cam Newton is going to be able to play in this game. But either way, even if Cam Newton does or does not play in this game, I'm still going to take the New England Patriots to get the victory here because I really want to see how Drew Locke handles this New England Patriots defense and what Bill Belichick throws at him. And he's coming off an injury. This is a guy who hasn't played football in the last couple of weeks, so he may be a little bit rusty. So, I mean, I think the Patriots are going to have the upper hand here. Um, I think that the Denver Broncos offense could struggle in this game because of how good Bill Belichick is when it comes to facing young quarterbacks. And I mean, Denver's defense, I mean, can they stop the run game? Can they do enough to stop the run? So, I mean, listen, if Cam Newton does not play, like I said earlier, I still think that the New England Patriots can win this game. I just think that this game will be a lot closer than compared to if Cam Newton plays. If Cam Newton plays in this game, I think that the New England Patriots win this game 21-14. to 14. Now, if Cam Newton does not play, then I think that the New England Patriots win this game 
Um, 13 to 10 is my final score prediction. So I have two different score predictions. I still have the New England Patriots winning both games, but I think that if Cam Newton, like I said, if he doesn't play, I think the Patriots win this one 13 10, maybe 13 7. If Cam Newton does play, then I think the Patriots win this one a little bit more convincingly. I say. 21 to 14 final score prediction. So, I mean, I give you guys the two scenarios. So, Cam Newton does play or does not play, but we don't really know. But hopefully, Cam Newton is able to play in this game. I'm really looking forward to see what he does against his Denver Broncos defense. And I want to see how Drew Locke handles this Bill Belichick defense and what Bill Belichick throws at him. So, I'm taking the Patriots to win this one. Let me know what you guys think. The Los Angeles Rams are going to be taking on the San Francisco 49ers. So for the 49ers last week, you lost to the Miami Dolphins 43-17. Let me make sure I'm checking this out correctly because it is late at night. It's 3.30 a.m. at the time of recording this. Yeah, I'm reading this correctly. So the Miami Dolphins defeated the 49ers 43-17. And I mean, I only got three words to say. What the heck happened? I mean, I'm still trying to figure out how were the Miami Dolphins able to hang 43 points on the San Francisco 49ers. And I mean, it shouldn't really take all that much rocket science because just go check the tournament margin. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo got benched for C.J. Beathard. He was 7-17 for 77 pass yards and had two interceptions. I mean, it was a turnover fest for the San Francisco 49ers and a good way for your team to get upset it is by turning the football over and Miami was able to take advantage of that I mean this secondary I don't know what the heck happened to the secondary I know they have a couple of injuries I know they have significant injuries on the defensive line but Jesus man I mean Ryan Fitzpatrick tore this 49ers secondary up he had 350 pass yards three touchdowns was averaging 12 yards per pass I mean the 49ers, man, they have a lot of things that they have to get correct. And I understand that the 49ers are having a lot of injuries that they have to deal with. But in my opinion, I think that they have one of the best coaching staffs in the NFL. And when you have good coaches, your coaches, depending on how good your coaching staff is, should be able to still be able to win games despite not having their best players because of how good they are when it comes to strategy and game planning. So, I mean... The 49ers rushed for over 100 yards and their loss against the Miami Dolphins. And normally when the 49ers run for over 100 yards in the game, they don't really lose all that often. So, I mean, they got dominated by the Miami Dolphins. And, I mean, you're facing the L.A. Rams team right now that is clicking on all cylinders offensively and defensively because they put on a defensive clinic against Washington last week. So, I mean, for the 49ers, man, I mean, the first thing that you got to ask yourself is, What's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo? Is Jimmy Garoppolo going to bounce back? Now, it was Jimmy Garoppolo's first game back from that injury that he suffered a couple of weeks ago. And we can tell that he showed some signs of field rust. I mean, this dude didn't really look himself. So, I mean, the 49ers need him to jump back to reality because if he has another game that he struggles... Then if you're a general manager, John Lynch, and your head coach, Kyle Shanahan, you have to look at yourself. You have to say, hey, man, this guy has struggled for two games in a row. Is this really the franchise guy that can lead us to the promised land for years to come? So, I mean, for the Rams, on the other hand, I mean, you are a three-and-a-half-point favorite, which is really surprising me because I thought the Rams would be favored to win this game by at least a touchdown. But I think that Vegas is 
giving more respect to the 49ers considering the fact that they have a lot of injuries, which is really surprising to me. But, I mean, can the Rams stop the run game? And, I mean, can the 49ers stop the run game? This is the battle of some of the best running football teams in the NFL. The LA Rams are currently 7th in the NFL in rushing yards per game, running for 139 rushing yards per game. The 49ers are 10th in the NFL rushing yards per game with 129. And I mean, both these two teams are really good against the run as well. I mean, the Rams defense is 10th in the NFL rushing yards per game, allowed 106.4, and the 49ers allow 107.4 rushing yards per game, which is 11th. So I want to see which team's offense is going to be able to establish the run game. And for the 49ers, I mean, that's really important to your offense because for the LA Rams, I mean, even if the run game isn't going, you can still throw the football pretty effectively. But with the way that Jimmy Garoppolo has played this season, I mean, the 49ers are at their best when they're able to get the run game going. So I mean, I think that if you had to ask me which team needs to establish the run game more, I think it would have to be the San Francisco 49ers because with how Jimmy Garoppolo has played right now, I mean, you don't want to give Jimmy Garoppolo a full a full um, game on his back when he has to carry the 49ers to a victory. I think the 49ers' best chance to win this game is by running the football because as of right now, I simply don't really trust Jimmy Garoppolo. And the 49ers' third down offense has to improve because the 49ers were 2 of 10 on third down against the Miami Dolphins. I understand that the Miami Dolphins have some talent on defense, but there's really no reason why the 49ers should only convert 2 out of 10 tries on third down. Like, that's a big recipe for also losing to teams that you have no business losing to. And the Rams have one of the best third down defenses in the NFL. They're fifth in the NFL and third down conversion percentage. So, I mean, for the 49ers, you got a really tough task ahead of you offensively against a pretty good and stout LA Rams defense. And the 49ers defense is also really good on third down as well. They're eighth in the NFL on third down conversion percentage. A lot of teams can convert 38.10% of the time. So, I mean, this is a interdivisional matchup. This is a really big game for the 49ers because if they lose this game, they're dropped to 2-4. and four. There'll be a couple of games behind Seattle and a couple of games back of the LA Rams. And then at that point, you're kind of going to be in desperation mode because you cannot afford to be a couple of games back in this division, especially with the way that Arizona still looks like they're kind of peaked, still don't really know what's going on with Arizona. I don't know if they're a good team or a bad team, but we're going to see Monday night when they face Dallas. But I mean, this is a really big game for the 49ers, man. I mean, you have to win this game, man, because if not, you're going to dropped the two and four and i know you've suffered a lot of injuries they even have more injuries to their backups but i mean listen man the 49ers have to find a way to pull this game out man and i mean if you can't stop this run game of the la rams i mean that really is a big part of the offense because with the run game that you they utilize play action so i mean this game is going to come down to whoever is able to stop the run okay so, I mean, the Rams are favored to win this game by three and a half. Like I said earlier, I think that Vegas still has a little bit of hope and still has a little bit of confidence in the 49ers that they do have a pretty significant chance of winning this game. But, I mean, ultimately, I have to take the Rams to win. I wouldn't be surprised if the 49ers win this game. But as of right now, I mean, I just think that the 49ers are just too depleted 
Like, their defense doesn't look like the defense I saw last year. And I know, like I said, they've had a lot of injuries. But, I mean, with the way that their secondary played against the Miami Dolphins, I know it was just one game. But, I mean, golly, man. I mean, they got shredded to bits against the Miami Dolphins, man. So, I mean, I got to take the Rams to win this one. I think the Rams get the victory. 23, 24 to 20 is my final score prediction in this game. I just think that this is a, a matchup that favors the LA Rams because you look at the 49ers, they're basically playing guys off the street at this point on the defensive line or the defensive side of the football. I mean, they just have too many big holes right now due to injury for me to take the Rams to lose this game. And I mean, like I said, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't really played great that season. I was thinking that Jimmy Garoppolo was above average quarterback, but I mean, as of his play so far this year, it hasn't really been great. But I mean, like I said, maybe the 49ers rushed him back from injury too soon, but I mean, they have to get something figured out, man. And if the Rams are able to stop the run game, then this could be a long afternoon for this 49ers offense so they really have to get something going have to get something figured out but I'm taking the Rams to get the victory here up next we have the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Philadelphia Eagles now for Baltimore last week they destroyed the Cincinnati Bengals 27 to 3 uh, this defense for Baltimore gave Joe Burrow hell last week. I mean, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals offense, they could not get anything going. The defense played absolutely phenomenal. And you look at a Philadelphia offense that is kind of, I want to say struggling because last week, I mean, they did have a pretty solid performance against a really good Pittsburgh Steelers defense. But I mean, this off the line is still not great. They still don't really have a lot of depth and a lot of talent at the wide receiver position. Now, Fulgham went, um, he went off last week against Pittsburgh. Is he going to be able to repeat that performance again this week? I don't know because this Baltimore Ravens secondary has been playing really well. A lot of people are making the argument that Marlon Humphrey could be in the running for defensive player of the year. So, Look at Philadelphia. You're hoping that Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson are able to return and play in this game because you're going to need them, okay? And for Philadelphia, they are a seven and a half point underdog heading into this game, and they really need to get this victory, okay? Because, I mean, I know the NFC East is really bad this season, okay? It looks like the winner of the NFC East could end up winning only seven games, but, I mean, if you're Philadelphia, you still want to try to, you know, get a good lead early in the division. I mean, you don't want to drop to 1-4-1. One, one. I mean, Philadelphia really needs this win for a confidence boost and a momentum boost right now. Because for Philadelphia, man, I mean, aside from that win a couple of weeks ago on Sunday Night Football against the 49ers, they still don't really have a lot of momentum. Okay, and we don't even know if Darius Slay is going to play in this game neither, man. So, I mean, injuries have really took their toll on Philadelphia. And, I mean, for the Eagles to win, Miles Sanders has to get going. Okay, the Eagles are at their best when they are giving Miles Sanders the football and Miles Sanders is making plays. Now, last week, Miles Sanders had a big 70-something yard touchdown against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And after that, he didn't really see much daylight since. So, I mean, if 
the Eagles want to have a chance winning this game. They're going to have to be able to run the football on Baltimore, which is going to be easier said than done because when you look at how this offensive line has played and you look at how good Baltimore's defensive line is, I mean, this doesn't really look like a favorable matchup from a perspective of Philadelphia's off the line going head-to-head with Baltimore's defensive line, you would give Baltimore's defensive line a really big edge in that department there. But, I mean, one thing that Philadelphia does have going for them is this Baltimore Ravens offense. Now, I've seen a lot of Ravens fans kind of voice their concerns about this Ravens offense over the last couple of weeks. Now, a lot of Ravens fans... I don't think they're being heavily critical of the offense, but what they are saying is that this offense can improve, okay? And if you're a Ravens fan, I think the majority of you guys watching this will pretty much agree with me. This doesn't really look like the same offense that we saw last year, okay? And I mean, I believe somebody had a quote about Harbaugh saying that, you know, teams are throwing different looks at them or something like that. I don't remember. I don't remember if that's true or not. But I mean, when you look at his Ravens offense, this isn't the Ravens offense that I remember last season. Okay, this is a Ravens offense that is kind of not putting up the yardage that they were last season from a passing standpoint. And I'm not saying Lamar Jackson has to regress anything like that. I'm just saying that this offense looked at a lot better last year than what it does this season. So maybe teams have kind of figured out how to stop this offense. And if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I mean, that votes well for you because your defense hasn't really played all that great neither I mean your defense allowed four touchdowns to a rookie last week in Chase Claypool so I mean this de- this defense for Philadelphia has a lot of issues as well but I mean you look at the Baltimore Ravens offense right now if you're Philadelphia you have to be able to try to find a way to stop this rushing attack for Baltimore and force Baltimore to beat you through the air okay because regardless of what Ravens fans may say Okay, this isn't the same passing attack that Baltimore had last year back in 2019. Okay, this is a Baltimore Ravens passing game that right now is not that potent. I don't even think they had 200 yards passing against Cincinnati last week. Okay, and I mean, I'm not saying that Baltimore has to throw the ball over 200 for 200 yards every single game and things like that. I'm just saying that this passing game for Baltimore has looked a little bit suspect at times this year. And if you're Philadelphia, you have to kind of be able to take advantage of that. So, I mean, for Philadelphia, the biggest thing is going to be, can you get off the field on third down? Because the Pittsburgh Steelers were 11 of 15 converting on third down and that was a large reason why the Steelers won that game because their defense could not get off the field and for the Philadelphia Eagles I mean if you want to win this game you have to be able to get off the field on third down and that's going to be really hard to do when you're facing the Baltimore Ravens because there's just so many weapons that you have to worry about on the offensive side of the football when it comes to Baltimore okay you got to worry about Marquise Brown you got to worry about Mark Andrews you have to worry about the rushing ability of Lamar Jackson also on um, Mark Ingram J.K. Dobbins so I mean it is a lot of weapons that you have to worry about when it comes to trying to get the Baltimore Ravens off the field on third down but the key for Philadelphia to getting off the field on third down is making sure that they are in third and long situations okay you can't allow Baltimore to be in third and three third and two third and four situations because they're going to convert the majority of the time 
So if you're Philadelphia, you have to put Baltimore in a situation that during like a third and six or third and seven, okay, and kind of take out that ability to run the football because that's what Baltimore's strength is, okay? So that, that goes back to my earlier point of Philadelphia having to force Baltimore to throw the football, put Baltimore in spots that, you know, third and three, third and four, you're probably not going to get up the field because Baltimore is going to have that aspect of running the football there. So, I mean, if you're Philadelphia, you need to put the Baltimore Ravens in as many passing situations as possible, okay? Because it's no way Baltimore is going to try to run the football on third and seven or third and eight unless it's just Lamar Jackson having a big scramble or something like that. But, I mean, if you're Philadelphia, you have to find some way to get off the field on third down. Now, I was just giving a suggestion there. I'm just saying Philadelphia has to find a way to get off the field on third down because that third down defense last week against Pittsburgh, 11-15, that's not really going to cut it. And the last thing is going to be, can the Philadelphia Eagles protect Carson Wentz? Because Carson Wentz got sacked five times last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, okay? And I mean, the offensive line hasn't played great. This pretty much has been the worst performance I've seen from the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line in the last couple of seasons, and you're looking at the Baltimore Ravens team that is coming off a seven-sack performance against Cincinnati, whose off the line has also had their fair share of struggles. So, I mean, if you are a Philadelphia Eagles fan, you have to have a lot of concern about how your offense matches up against this Baltimore Ravens defense, unless you have Deshaun Jackson or Alshon Jeffrey come back and play in this game. But at the end of the day, even if you do have those guys at wide receiver, your offensive line still hasn't really been all that good. So I'm taking Baltimore to get the win here. I think Baltimore wins this game 31-20. to 20. And I think that Philadelphia is going to have a really tough time stopping this Baltimore Ravens pass rush. Like, they had a hard time stopping Pittsburgh's pass rush last week. They gave up five sacks. I also think that this Baltimore Ravens offense is pretty much in a favorable matchup this week because you're facing the Philadelphia Eagles defense that hasn't really been great this year. I mean, they gave up five touchdowns to a rookie and Chase Claypool last week. Their secondary has been pretty suspect. I also question Philadelphia's ability to stop the run as well. So if you're a Baltimore and you are a Ravens fan, I mean, although your offense has had their fair struggles, their fair share of struggles, you're not facing a defense that really is going to make you pay or is going to have to force you to, you know, sweat really bad with how your offense has played. Because if you're a Ravens fan, you should have a lot of confidence in your offense. If you're a Ravens fan, if you were facing the Pittsburgh Steelers with the way that your offense has played over the last couple of weeks, then you should be concerned. But, I mean, looking at the Philadelphia Eagles team, that their defense is missing their best coverage guy in Darius Slay. He's questionable to play in this game. We don't know if he's going to play at all. And this Philadelphia Eagles team, man, like this defense surrendered five touchdowns to a rookie last week, man. So, I mean, for Philadelphia... On the defense side of the end of the football, it doesn't really look all that pretty. So I think Baltimore should be able to pull off the victory here. We have the Falcons versus the Minnesota Vikings up next. The Minnesota Vikings are coming into this game as a three and a half point favorite. And I mean, if you're a Vikings fan, man, like I feel really bad for you guys. Because that loss to Seattle, I know it had to be absolutely devastating. I mean, Seattle converted on fourth down twice that drive. I mean, you had the big fourth and long play to DK Metcalf. Then you had the fourth and goal touchdown to seal the game 
for Seattle. I mean, golly, man. I mean, I, I just feel for Minnesota Vikings fan right now, man, because you guys are going through a lot of pain right now. But on the bright side, you're going to be facing the Atlanta Falcons, who are 0-5. And the Atlanta Falcons were defeated by the Carolina Panthers last week, 23-16, which ended up being Dan Quinn's last game as the head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. The ownership ended up firing him. They ended up cleaning the house, basically. They even got rid of the special teams coordinator, and they have promoted defensive coordinator Raheem Morris to interim head coach. Now, with Raheem Morris as the interim head coach for Atlanta, I want to see some improvement on defense because pretty much anybody who plays Atlanta and plays against that Atlanta Falcons defense is able to do whatever they want to when it comes to the passing game. So with Raheem Morris being elevated to interim head coach, I want to see some improvement on the defense side of football for Atlanta because Raheem Morris is a, was a defensive coordinator. So he is a defensive minded coach. Therefore the strength, of Atlanta's team should be their defense as of right now. Now, obviously, we know their offense is pretty much the best part of their team, but so far over the last two weeks, their offense has kind of stalled a little bit. So, I mean, with Raheem Morris, his specialty being defense, I expect this defense for Atlanta to show some kind of improvement. Now, I know Atlanta has a lot of injuries in the secondary. Like, they have some linebackers playing safety. I know it's really bad. But, I mean, they have to find a way to work around it. Now, I don't know how you work around it. Don't ask me. But that's something that Raheem Morris has to figure out as their interim head coach. Now, both of these two team secondaries, Minnesota and Atlanta secondaries, have pretty much been uh, not so great. I mean, we saw what happened to Minnesota secondary last week against Seattle. And I mean, Atlanta secondary, we've been seeing Atlanta secondary for the last five weeks get carved up by pretty much every single quarterback that they have played. So, I mean, which secondary is going to step up in this game and make some plays? Now, Minnesota secondary might have a little bit of an advantage in this game because Matt Ryan kind of hasn't really been playing all that great. He didn't play good against Green Bay. He didn't play good against the Carolina Panthers, which the Carolina Panthers... Their defense isn't all that great, so I thought that could be a favorable matchup that Matt Ryan would have had a bounce-back game against, but obviously Matt Ryan is showing some signs of regression, which leads to the next question is going to be, what is going to be the long-term future for Matt Ryan with Atlanta? So, I mean, you're looking at the Minnesota Vikings secondary right now that's on the Atlanta Falcons offense that hasn't really been playing all that great, Okay. And then if you're the Atlanta Falcons, you're looking at a young secondary that still has a lot of work and a lot of improvements that have to be made. Now, can the Atlanta Falcons score in the red zone is going to be the big question because the Minnesota Vikings are fifth in the NFL in red zone defense and the Atlanta Falcons are 26 in the NFL and being able to score touchdowns in the red zone, the 26 and red zone offense only scoring touchdowns 52% of the time. So for Atlanta, I mean, you have to be able to score in the red zone if you want to win this game. Now, Todd Gurley has came on for Atlanta over the last two weeks. Now, I'm figuring that the reason why Atlanta has been so reliant on the run game has been because their passing game hasn't really been all that effective. And I mean, this is the first time in a long time I've actually seen Atlanta put some commitment into running the football. And a lot of Atlanta Falcons fans are probably going to say, well, JT, we have no choice but to run the football. And I mean, listen, if Atlanta was running the football this way 
the first three games of the season like they are now, I mean, they pretty much could have a better record than what they have right now because for Atlanta, I think it's in their best interest to continue to run the football with Todd Gurley and all the other halfbacks that they have on this roster because, listen, this defense for Atlanta has been absolutely terrible. You can't trust this defense for nothing. So, I mean, I think it would be in Atlanta's best interest to continue to run the football with Todd Gurley, keep the opposing team's defense on the field as long as possible, and keep your defense off the field as long as you mean possible, and try to choose some of that time off the clock. So I think it was going to be in Atlanta's best interest to continue to run the football, especially when you get inside the red zone. Because, listen, Minnesota's um, red zone defense has been pretty good this season, although we didn't really get to see it against Seattle because we know Russell Wilson converted on that fourth and goal. We didn't see that number fifth-ranked red zone defense show up then. But, I mean, all in all, for the most part, this is a pretty good defense that Minnesota has when you get inside of the 20. The next question is going to be, Will the Atlanta Falcons be able to convert on third down? Now, the Minnesota Vikings have the best third down defense in the NFL. They only allow teams to convert on third down 27.7% of the time. And the Atlanta Falcons have a pretty, uh, their third down offense needs some work. They only convert on third down 40% of the time. So if you're Atlanta, you need to be able to keep drives alive in this game and I mean you're facing the Minnesota Vikings defense that the biggest part of having a good defense is being able to get off the field on third down now for Minnesota I mean your secondary has been kind of shaky okay so I mean you're looking at Atlanta Falcons team that can't throw the football if you do get an opportunity so I want to see how this defense is going to handle Atlanta's offense on third down so um, uh, I mean, for Atlanta, man, and Minnesota, this is a game that I feel both of these two teams are pretty evenly matched. We don't really know if Dalvin Cook is going to play in this game or not. But, I mean, Alexander Madison is more than capable of handling the workload at RB1 for Minnesota if Dalvin Cook isn't ready to go in this game. I'm taking Minnesota to get this victory here. Uh, for Minnesota, I mean, you showed a lot of promise against Seattle. I mean, your defense played a really good first half. And, I mean, for Minnesota, I mean, if it wasn't for Russell Wilson being Russell Wilson and doing Russell Wilson-like things, you pretty much could have won that game. And right now, you're looking at Atlanta Falcons offense that has been struggling, which is something that we haven't really been accustomed to seeing out of Atlanta over the last couple of years because Atlanta, the strong part of their team, despite how bad the defense may play, has always been their offense. But their offense just hasn't really looked the same over the last couple of weeks. So if you're Minnesota, I mean, this should be a pretty favorable matchup. Mike Zimmer is probably going to dial up a lot of blitzes in this game. And he's pretty much going to try to get pressure on Matt Ryan. So I think Minnesota pulls off this game and pulls off this victory. Excuse me. I'm going to say 24-17 to 17 is going to be my final score prediction in this game. I'm going to take Minnesota with the victory. Washington versus the New York Giants. Believe it or not, this is a really big game for both of these two teams because whoever wins this game, they're going to be right into the thick of things in terms of winning this NFC East division, which to the most part has been really terrible. And I know it may sound crazy if you're a Giants fan, you're listening to this because you're like, wow, so you're telling me if the New York Giants win this game, at 1-5, we still have a chance to win the division? Yes, you do if you're able to win this game. 
And for Washington, I mean, if you win this game, you'll be two and four. You'll be right into the thick of things yourself. So, I mean, when you look at how bad this division has been, this is a good opportunity for both of these two teams to try to get a victory and try to find some way somehow to win this division because I think that this division is up for grabs. I think that anybody can win it. It all depends on who gets hot at the right time. So the Giants surprisingly are favored to win this game by three points. Now that's a little bit of a shocker to me because I was thinking coming in that Washington would be favored. But, I mean, I think that Vegas and the odds makers in Vegas believe that the New York Giants are a better team than Washington because the New York Giants actually have a pulse on offense. Meanwhile, you have Washington, on the other hand, I mean, they haven't scored more than 20 points ever since week one against Philadelphia, which was the last time they actually got a win. So, I mean, right now, Washington's offense is on life support right now. Like, the doctors have already tried to give Washington the shock treatment. Their shock treatment was by benching Dwayne Haskins and starting Kyle Allen. And, I mean, we didn't really see all that much improvement then. Now, Kyle Allen did have to leave the game last week and the loss to the L.A. Rams, which they ended up putting in Alex Smith. And he ended up finishing out the game for him. But Ron Rivera has said that Kyle Allen is going to be the starting quarterback heading into this game. And, I mean, for Washington, man, I mean, this offense has been really bad. Like, I knew coming into the season that Washington's offense wasn't going to be all that great, but I didn't expect it to be this bad. So, I mean, for Washington, you're facing pretty much the worst defense you have went up against the whole entire season up to this point in the New York Giants. Now, the New York Giants defense, to their credit, has played just a tad bit better than what I expected them to play. But, I mean, I still think that Washington should be able to score more than 20 points on this New York Giants defense. Now, if Washington does not score more than 20 on this New York Giants defense, then I think that all of you Washington fans need to go ahead and give the eyeball to whoever is the offensive coordinator calling the plays there for Washington because it is no way that Washington should not put up anything less than 24 points in this game. So, I mean, for the New York Giants, I mean, your question has to be, can Daniel Jones take care of the football? Because turnovers have really killed the New York Giants so far this season. Like, Daniel Jones is like the second coming of Jameis Winston just with a different skin complexion because you see a lot of good things. The next thing you know, next drive, he'll turn the football over. So, I mean, for the New York Giants, man, if they want to win this game, you have to limit turnovers because you don't want to give a team like Washington that's struggling to move the ball offensively any expositions because you get them a turnover, it could give them good field position. You never know what can happen. So, when you have a team that's struggling on offense you don't want to get them any x possessions and anything that might help them score so can either one of these teams run the football because these are two of the worst running football teams in the nfl um the new york giants are last in the nfl rushing yards began with 79 the washington football team they're no better they're 31st in the nfl and rushing yards per game with 81.4 so can either one of these teams get the run game going now Devontae freeman did have something brewing last week against the dallas cowboys it's just that i think that the game was so high scoring that they just had to go ahead and throw the ball to keep up but i mean you like your matchup against a washington football team that does have a really good defensive line but i do think that the giants 
should have a better time running the football than they will have throwing the football because I believe that Washington's defensive line is still really good despite the fact that they've had a couple of injuries. They're still a really good defensive line. So, I mean, can the Washington football team get the run game going? Because, listen, I mean... This offense, you really want to ask yourself, can they really get anything going? So, I mean, for Washington, I mean, you have to get something going, like the passing game, the running game, get something going. Now, you have a young stud in Antonio Gibson who is really good, not only just running the football, but really good out wide as well. So, you need to utilize him a lot more in this offense. Also, I'm looking at Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin got shut down last week against the LA Rams. I would know that because I had to watch this game a little bit because Terry McLaurin is my wide receiver one in fantasy football. So, I mean, you need to get him back in the right direction. Basically, the LA Rams, they just completely took him out of the game. And, I mean, for the New York Giants, if you want to improve your chances of winning this game, you also have to erase Terry McLaurin from this offense because Terry McLaurin pretty much is the only reliable target for this Washington football team passing game. So, I mean, wow, both these teams right now, they're a little bit of a mess offensively. I think that the New York Giants are slightly ahead of the Washington football team in terms of offense, but I think that the Washington football team is ahead of the New York Giants defensively. So, I mean, this is a really big game for both these two teams, man, because like I said, one win is all they really need to get back into the thick of things. And I know it may sound weird saying that, that the New York Giants could be 1-5 and five and still have a chance to make it to the playoffs, but they really realistically do with how bad this division has played in the Washington, man. So, I mean, listen, Kyle Allen is expected to be the starting quarterback. I mean, I didn't really see any difference in the offense with Kyle Allen being in aside from, you know, his ability to run with the football. But, I mean, this offense still isn't all that great. And this offensive line allowed a lot of sacks last week against the L.A. Rams. So, I mean, can the New York Giants get pressure on the Washington football team? And, I mean, can Washington get pressure on Daniel Jones because the New York Giants also have one of the worst pass-blocking offensive lines in the NFL. So, I mean, these are two teams that are kind of evenly matched. Like, they have their strengths. Like, New York's offense is better than Washington's offense slightly, but Washington's defense is better than the New York Giants' defense. So, I mean, this is a game that I know a lot of people probably aren't going to watch because you're going to be like, is there any reason to watch Washington versus the New York Giants? But, I mean, I'm going to watch this game simply for the fact that I really want to see what's going to be the strategy involved of trying to win this game. Because a win could, you know, be a momentum boost because you'll be right back in the playoff front. So, I mean, I'm going to take the Washington football team to win this game. I think that Washington should be able to win this game because despite the fact that they have struggled on offense, um, you're facing Daniel Jones, and when you face Daniel Jones, you're going to have the opportunity to get turnovers, so I think that Washington can force two turnovers, which will help their offense, because you'll get some extra possessions there, and also, you're facing a New York Giants defense that isn't good. Meanwhile, Washington, they have a pretty solid defense, so I'm going to take Washington to win this game. I think Washington pulls off the victory 27 to 24 is my final score prediction in this game. I'm taking Washington.